what you heard. It's what you hearing. It's what you hearing. Listen. It's what you hearing. Listen. It's what you hearing. Listen. X gon' give it to you. Wait for you to get it on your own. X gon' deliver to you. Knock, knock. Open up the door. It's real. With the non-stop pop out from stainless steel. Go hard getting busy with it. But I got such a good heart. Welcome in to week number 10, DFS MVP. I'm Holden Kusher along with 444.com's director of DFS, TJ Hernandez. TJ, before we get going here, tell me about the music. Uh, a little classic DMX, X Gonna Give It To You from the 2003 soundtrack to Cradle to the Grave. Another great addition to our DFS MVP uh, playlist, which you can find on Spotify with all of the great intro tracks that you hear on this podcast. All you have to do is go to Spotify, search DFS MVP, or go on my Twitter at TJ Hernandez. I'm always tweeting out the link to the Spotify playlist along with the links to the podcast. Before we get into everything today, sports bettors, if you want to be a winning NFL better with weekly selections, all you have to do is check out Sharp James Salinas, the most successful super contest winner of all time. Just visit sharpbanglesports.com and start winning today. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a DFS player. And if you are a DFS player, you should be playing on Fantasy Draft, the only rake-free daily fantasy site. And they have a $300,000 guaranteed rake-free contest, the Hooters main event, the largest and only rake-free contest of its kind. Only on Fantasy Draft are 100% of entry fees paid to contest winners. Sign up at FantasyDraft.com with the promo code 4 for 4 That's the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4. And you'll get a free 7-day trial membership. All right, a couple things for you, first of all, before we get into this. A, who wrote that copy? Was that Luis? You're probably a D. Do you think people just listen because they love our voices, <laughs> like women all around the world? Just, oh, my be. God, these guys are so sexy. That sweet, smooth timbre. Uh, second thing is I just learned that DMX is out of prison, so good for him. Uh, he was released <laughs> nice. in January of this year. Nice. Not a great guy. I'll just say that. Well, Not a great guy. I could, I, I, I could separate the art from the uh, artist. Me too. Uh, I cannot separate it from Buster Rhymes, though, because <laughs> I was doing a show at uh, XM. This was like 10 years ago. I'm, I'm just sabotaging this anyways. Maybe even longer than that. And Buster Rhymes, was, it, our studio was shaking while we were trying to do a show. So I sent my producer, like, my producer was like, I don't want to go out there. So his bodyguard pulled a gun on him and told him oh to shut God. up. So I was like, you know what? Let's just stay in here and not do anything about that. We're not going to call the cops. We'll just let Buster Rhymes be really loud. Yeah, I mean, what I a meanie. you're going to have to at that point. Ah. Tone it down, Buster on his bodyguard. Yeah, t- tone it down. Well, I'm sure Buster's kind of a badass, too. <laughs> uh, week 10, plays. We're going to revisit bankroll strategy and adjustments because we're always adjusting here. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend that you sign up for the DFS sub on 444.com if you haven't already because you can get 25% off by using the code DFSMVP. DFS MVP. Who won the rate and review t-shirt giveaway this week, TJ? Uh, we got a nice review uh, from our friend Glenn Bond, G-L-E-N-N-B-A-N. Glenn Bond or Glenn Ban, however you say it, uh, gave us a nice review. Hit me up on Twitter at TJ Hernandez, and I will get you the details on how to get that fresh 4 for 4 swag. Very fresh. I like it. Here's what we do, new listeners. We, we talk about our core plays at every position for the main slate on the two big sites, FanDuel DraftKings. So yeah, TJ, I mean, if Lamar Jackson could do it against the Patriots, he could definitely do it against Cincinnati. And, you know, the only thing is if you believe in letdowns or overlooking or whatever, but I'm not buying it. This guy's just too good. TJ, Lamar Jackson, he's, it's not even close. He's the number one option this week. 
Yeah, by by a pretty big gap. So and and there's probably there's not a, a ton of uh, value. Like we don't have any like obvious punt spots, but there there's a little bit of value at wide receiver. Um, I don't think you have to pay all the way up for defense, so you can afford to uh, to pay up at, at quarterback uh, this week. Kind of we have a couple big studs that that are question marks that we'll talk about uh, in a second just in terms of roster construction but i definitely think you can pay up if you want to a quarterback yeah and and then you look at the other quarterback here if you want to save money and on FanDuel, from jackson down to kyler murray it's 900 dollars. that's significant and 800 dollars um on dk too so 7700 FanDuel, 6500 DraftKings. uh i guess you know, you, I think you said there was three games that you really looked at yep. targeting. Is that it? So Tampa Bay, Arizona, and then Atlanta, New Orleans. What's the other game you're looking at? Um, did I mean I'm just looking at at Baltimore um, as an offense that I'm looking okay, at yeah. as a whole. So yeah, so like those two two games where you can kind of look at both sides of it, and then Baltimore uh, has a pretty high projected total, so they're passing game as well. Um, so those are like the big ones I think people will be looking at, and that we'll see heavy ownership on. Well, I actually like Kyler Murray from the standpoint that David Johnson's coming back this week, and he yep. said he's playing. He's 100 percent. He's playing, and they use him as a wide receiver quite a right. bit. We know his usage. He's averaging a little over four targets a game. He's seen like eight, nine a game from time to time, and this might be a game where he has to do it. Uh, Kyler Murray looks like another nice choice. Yeah, for sure. As you mentioned, you're getting a, a little bit of a discount or, or quite a big discount to someone like Lamar Jackson. But Murray is the guy that pops as a uh, as a top two value on both sites. We have a, a few games with some pretty high totals, um, but this one is is relatively close uh, in terms of the spread. The spread's four and a half in favor of Tampa Bay, but the game total is at uh, 51. So with with two defenses that rank in the bottom three in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Uh, this one has a ton of shootout potential, especially just because we know you can uh, you can attack Tampa Bay's secondary. Uh, they've been throwing quite a bit more. Tampa Bay has in the last four or five weeks, and they're just a they're a pass funnel. Uh, defense. Not only are they bad against the pass, but they're also good against the run. So everything's kind of been funneled through uh, the passing game when you're playing against the Buccaneers, who rank uh, actually first against running backs, but uh, bottom three against quarterbacks and wide receivers. They've allowed uh, 300 yards uh, in five of their eight matchup against quarterbacks. And the last two that didn't throw for 300 yards, Kyle Allen and Ryan Tannehill, both threw multiple touchdowns with three from Tannehill. So uh, even if if they aren't giving up that yardage they're giving up uh, the touchdowns and then uh, as I mentioned just Murray's going to be such a big part of this offense he's accounted for 77% of the Cardinals total offensive yards with which is the sixth most uh, in the league and, and you mentioned David Johnson's going to be playing while he might not be able to get it done uh, through the ground uh, on the ground he, he can get it done through the air against this team and that's obviously going to benefit Murray as well yep no doubt about that let's move on to running backs and you got to talk about Christian McCaffrey every mm -hmm. week. I mean, this guy's leading the NFL in snaps. He's leading the, the NFL in fantasy points scored. He's just everything. This He, he is the highest scoring fantasy player, I mean, more than any quarterback. Russell Wilson is second. So 10-5 on FanDuel, 10-5 on DraftKings. You're really paying up uh, big time. This is yep. going to be tough to jam him in, but you almost have to at this point. 
So I this week I I, I brought uh, I, I'm bringing up three running backs. We usually do two on the podcast, but this is a pretty unique situation because you're either going to pay all the way up for McCaffrey, uh, who's ten five on both sides, and then have to pay a little bit down or a, a lot down at your other two um, running back spots, and then get value at the other positions. Maybe pay up for one wide receiver. But the interesting thing is if we look at the four for four lineup generator and look at the optimal lineups. Uh, it actually prefers paying up for multiple pass catchers this week. So we have a pretty big, the, I think the decision point of the week and, and where people are going to uh, really decide their fates is if they pay up for McCaffrey or if they pay up for the pass catchers, we'll obviously get to that in a little bit, but we have a handful of pass catchers in in really good spots. But uh, you mentioned it with McCaffrey. You, we don't have to talk too much about his usage floor. I think everybody knows how much more he's used than any other player in the league league uh surprisingly McCaffrey hasn't even had that easy of a schedule um he's only faced one defense ranked in the bottom 10 and schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to uh running backs and in that game against Jacksonville McCaffrey went for over 50 DraftKings points. Now he gets the <laughs> Packers, who are a, a run funnel. They're ranking the top 10 versus quarterback and wide receiver, but 26 against running back. So, again, the only uh, the only other time this year that Christian McCaffrey is facing a, a bottom 10 defense against running backs. And actually the last time he'll do it for the season. So uh, this could be another one of those big ceiling games. And that's why even though just like a, a medium projection is going to show a slightly cheaper receivers in your lineup generator, but uh, McCaffrey could easy, easily put up that 50 burger. And if he does that, it's going to be hard to cash without him in your lineup. Yeah. That's the tough thing. Right. And mm-hmm. I think it's easier for him to do that on, on DraftKings just because sure. you know, 10 can 10 catches all of a sudden you're, you got five points more than you would on FanDuel, but I mean, let's say, and this is funny. I'm gonna say, let's say he only goes for thirty, right? Right, and you're paying ten five for him on Fanduel. That's gonna hurt you, man. Yeah, quote unquote, like only thirty. Um, obviously, but, right? It's, but that's right. yeah, yeah. But but for for ten point five, um, I mean, you pretty much you need that that thirty point number from him. So it's, I mean, that this is why DFS is, is tough. And and in a vacuum, he's still not priced high enough. Um, like he's still our top two value across all positions. But if you look at it from an overall lineup build, like I said, the uh, the the preferred method of of our lineup generator right now is to to pay up for two of the the pass catchers um so can you take the risk of of him not getting the 50 that's kind of what you're counting on if you fade him you have to yeah. <laughs> that's it so good luck it's the big decision this week i think mm. uh, it's gonna be what you're gonna do with christian mccaffrey and my sense he's, he's gonna be what do you think in cash he's over 50 percent in cash right yeah i i think he'll he'll at least um approach 50 percent in cash like in um in in a small stakes, uh, fifty fifty or something like that. I, I'd be surprised if he was under fifty percent owned. That's amazing at that salary. Like, what do you remember? What the high? We talked about this last year. What was like the highest salary you've ever seen? Wasn't there twelve thousand guys like Lev Bell? I think maybe two years ago, Le'Veon. When Le'Veon and DJ were just like jamming, no matter what that season that they were running uh-huh. away from the field. I, I think they reached like the eleven k. Oh my god, that was. Uh... Well, listen, Christian McCaffrey's getting there, and he reminds yeah. me a lot of LaDainian Tomlinson. Yep. Next guy to go to, Marlon Mack, taking on the Miami Dolphins. 
And it's this is self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. 7,400 FanDuel, 7,000 DraftKings. And, you know, there was actually, this is funny that you have both these guys here because there was a prop in Vegas that I actually laid down. Um, Christian McCaffrey minus seven and a half rushing yards over Marlon Mack. Mm. And I went with McCaffrey just because, you know, I think he could blow up. But yep. they basically have the same amount of rushing attempts. Uh, McCaffrey's at 20.6, Mack's at 19.9. Uh, the problem is Mac has gone under 90 yards his last three, and I still wonder if he's 100% or even close to 100%, I should say. Sure. Um, I mean, the the injury thing is something that, that we want to uh, keep an eye on. I, I don't think there's going to be anything that comes out that, that swings us away from him. Um, I mean, obviously, he, he was coming off the injury, and it's just kind of an eye test at this point. But uh, if you aren't going to pay for McCaffrey, I think Marlon Mack is the guy you want to be anchoring your uh your running back core with assuming that you are paying up for those pass catchers you'll still be able to afford mac at 7400 on Fanduel and seven thousand dollars on DraftKings, and uh he's pretty much in like as favorable of a possible game script uh, running back situation as you can get we know how bad miami has been just across the board um but especially against running backs ranked bottom three in adjusted points allowed to the position and we have the Colts favored by 10 and a half at home uh even with even coming off injury Max seen at least 40 percent of the team touches um in four straight games and the Colts have been one of the most run heavy teams in the league uh top five in rushing rate in neutral game script and if game script goes it as expected, and they win by double digits. That only slants them uh, more towards the run. Uh, I, I don't think it necessarily matters if it's Brian Ho- Hoyer or Jacoby Brissett. Um, their their splits are going to look pretty similar. Uh, Hoyer only threw 26 times last week. He was very efficient throwing three touchdowns, um, but Brissett's been uh, equally efficient. So uh, even with a question mark at who's going to be at quarterback, Vegas hasn't taken this game off the board, so that pretty much tells you all you need to know. You know, it's interesting, uh, this next guy, because I was very uncomfortable putting him into my dummy lineup, and I've done a whole bunch of you know, research trying to figure out whether I should throw him into my final lineup. We're taping this Wednesday night, so the, there's still a lot of time, and yep. I just can't take David Montgomery out as much as he's just not been successful this year, and a lot of that has to do with play calling. And Matt Nagy two weeks ago said he needed to run the ball more. They ran the ball more, and now he's going up against the Detroit team that's a sieve against the run he's $6,400 FanDuel very affordable there as uh as an RB2 very affordable on DraftKings at 5,300 yep and it's just a matter at at this point it's a matter of volume versus price for Montgomery you mentioned that he's affordable on on both sites and he has back-to-back games where he's seen at least 75 percent of the Bears uh, backfield touches Um, he's turned that into uh, at least 22 PPR points in consecutive weeks went over 100 yards two weeks ago um, against the Chargers and he's getting a little bit just enough work in the passing game to make him relevant Uh, five targets two weeks ago four targets last week three catches for 36 yards in that one and now Chicago is favored by two and a half at home against a Detroit defense that ranks 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to opposing running backs Uh, I I think some people will probably look at 
how bad Detroit's secondary has been and think about um, a game stack or a team stack maybe here. But I don't have enough trust in Trubisky to pull that uh, to pull that off. But what it does do that great matchup through the passing game, it at least gives this offense. Uh, opportunity to be efficient all around and if you can move the ball effectively that's just going to give montgomery more scoring upside yeah um and then the other thing about trubisky i mean we're done with trubisky right Mm -hmm. he he asked the bears and i can't believe this story got out (laughs) i saw this to turn off seven televisions because they were too critical of him and the bears yeah like just get over it man put it on mute or something just get out of the room this guy is it went south quick, too, because everybody liked him last year, and yep. ugh, it's been nasty this year. So, I mean, basically just stack the box. But I'm with you on Montgomery. Wide receiver, your eyes should go to the Saints and the Bucks wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the difference between Michael Thomas and Evans and Godwin this week? Thomas is $8,700. FanDuel, DraftKings, he's 8300 He's a little bit more expensive than Evans. Um, and Godwin Evans yep. would be the, the number two price guy, but why Thomas over the other two because of the floor? Cause we don't know which one's going to go off with the bucks for sure. Um, you're, you're going to want exposure to all of them. As I mentioned before, um, our, our optimal lineups on both sides, like paying up for receivers. Uh, we have Evans projected slightly higher than Godwin. So it's, it's jamming in Thomas and Evans. But, uh, as you mentioned, Evans has been, um, way more boom than bust lately but we've seen that he has a very low floor and that just has to do with the fact that uh even though godwin's target share is down over the last few weeks mike evans is up we know that either of these guys can uh even if both of them see 10 targets in one game it could be one that goes off instead of the other where uh michael thomas he's just been that uh that major uh consistent player uh he's he's expensive 8700 fanduel 8300 DraftKings, but he's definitely worth it uh, leads the league in targets per game over 11 leads the league in target share over 32 percent uh, and then two of his top three games this year have come with drew Brees playing uh, and that includes his second best game of the season last week and that's very relevant because drew Brees has only played two games so obviously <laughs> Brees is is going to boost not only the floor but the ceiling of michael thomas and then um the matchup here is undeniable against the falcons falcons are just uh they, they they can't defend anybody bottom three when we adjust for strength of schedule against wide receivers they've allowed the most fantasy points per attempt over the last six weeks They're actually getting worse as we get on uh, to the season believe it or not 0.77 fantasy points uh per pass attempt allowed to put that in perspective no other defense is allowing at least 0.7 fantasy points per pass attempt no quarterback in the league is over 0.65 fantasy points per pass attempt so over the last six weeks atlanta's just been um, un, uh, unexplainably bad against wide receivers. And Thomas probably has the best matchup out of all of these bad cover corners. Um, Isaiah Oliver has allowed the most fantasy points per target among the Atlanta cornerbacks, and that's who Thomas should be matched up with most of the time on Sunday. Can you even build a lineup with McCaffrey and Thomas that – just um, not totally stars and scrubs. I, I think no. I mean, you're definitely gonna have to go stars and scrubs. Um, if you're gonna roster those two guys, you're gonna have to do something like a like a David Montgomery, uh, Jalen Samuels, um, plus a defensive punt, maybe even a tight end punt. Which it, I mean, it's it's not 
um, horrible, but you're gonna have a you're gonna have a, a lot of of floor players. Like you might even need someone like um, a Brian Hoyer in your lineup to make it work, which might not be a horrible option. But uh, I, I don't know that even with those two guys in there, I don't know that it's the highest floor option, even though they are the two highest floor players of the week. Might be worth like a $1 single entry. I think so, for sure. Just see what happens. Yeah, I don't, just have, yeah. have a little fun with it. Uh, DJ Moore is next. Uh, Kyle Allen had Moore and Samuel, and Dan Moore is just – he's been just sneaky terrific, mm-hmm. you know, especially over the last month or so. $5,800 FanDuel. Are you kidding me? Uh, 5,200 on DraftKings, and the price is down, but I feel like this is a terrific wide receiver too this week. Man, the thing, we we keep talking about it. We've talked about it on the podcast in the theory segment. Um, I've talked about it multiple times in TJ's take where I review um, the the winning lineup uh, of of the week on both FanDuel and DraftKings, and it's like where can we find the underrated or the unrecognized volume? And right now that player is DJ Moore. Um, that's especially important when, when the salary just isn't moving much. Over the last month, he's seen 31% of the Panthers' target. That ranks fourth among all players in the league. Uh, the biggest reason that he isn't popping in salary uh, or in models or in ownership is because he hasn't scored in week three. But as we often see, usage turns into scoring, turns into boom games. Uh, it happens all the time. We talked about it uh, with Mike Williams last week. He, he didn't score, but he had a huge game against the Packers. That usage just turns into big games. Uh, Moore did have 100 yards last week, but I think it was probably about as quiet a 100 yards as you can get. Um, now he's he's just going to continue to go back to that, that Green Bay uh, defense that struggled last week. Um, I talked about that touchdown regression to kind of put it into perspective perspective there's 16 receivers right now with at least 65 targets uh only four of them have fewer than two touchdowns and more is one of those guys so that usage is is just going to turn into big games and even in cash games just his volume versus his price is pretty undeniable at this point i just don't like the matchup is the only thing this week um dj moore has to be at least in consideration for your player pool but green bay coming off getting their asses kicked yeah and then, you know, the, the success that they've had uh, stopping wide receivers, it does scare me a little bit. Sure. Um, but um, you think he's cash viable? I think he's cash viable just because of the volume versus mm-hmm. the price, um, especially on, on DraftKings. Uh, I, I mean, Curtis Samuel is actually a, a decent play on both sides, but especially on FanDuel where it rewards big plays a little bit more. Where Green Bay has really struggled is in defending the, the deep ball going into uh, – Last week, they were bottom four in completions allowed on 15-plus yards. And then uh, I I don't have the new numbers this week, but uh, we saw Hunter Henry get quite a few down the field. And then Mike Williams obviously went over 100 on only three catches, so he was burning them that way too. So uh, actually both Panthers receivers are in good spots. But uh, just Moore's usage is that that kind of usage uh, compared to the price is one that often goes ignored and and sometimes slaps matchups in the face just because it's so high. Well, your next and last wide receiver is another guy with usage because the mm-hmm. numbers just haven't been there. Yep. Uh, last two games, though, he's been healthy, and that's Christian Kirk. 5700 FanDuel, 5200 DK, so he's the same price on DraftKings. He's $100 less on FanDuel, and basically this is, hey, I think this game is going to be in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray is going to have to throw to somebody, and that somebody should be Christian Kirk. 
Yeah, this is kind of the situation we talked about it last week with um, Detroit and Oakland. Even if you don't roster Stafford or Carr, like you want some kind of exposure to some side of this passing game. If you decide to play Michael Thomas over Mike Evans, you don't want to play two expensive receivers. Uh, Christian Kirk's a good, affordable option to get exposure to this game. Uh, in the two games since returning from injury, 16 total targets, uh, 27% target share two weeks ago, 22 percent target share last week um he's the only arizona wide receiver that has seen over 30 percent target share in a game this season uh david johnson saw 37 percent target share in week four but uh, none of the past catchers larry fitzgerald has, has uh, seen target shares that high so if there's a player that has ceiling volume it, it seems to be uh christian kirk and like i said if if you don't have exposure to like Kyler or something, then this is a good spot. But even if I play Kyler, it gives you a little bit of correlation with Christian Kirk. Uh, that's especially good. Even in cash games for people that do something like play exclusively uh, head-to-heads gives you a little bit of upside. And then just from a matchup standpoint, we know that the Cardinals have been playing um, four wide receiver four wide receivers, which means Kirk and Fitzgerald are both in the slot. So either Christian Kirk is going to be lined up against Vernon Hargraves, who's allowed the fifth most fantasy points per target among uh, Week 10 starters, or a safety that's going to have to try to cover a wide receiver probably just as good, if not better, than being matched up against Hargraves. Okay, so that is the wide receiver position. Here we go, Travis Kelsey. So he's only paid off. This is the FanDuel salary, though. He's only paid off one week. It was week two. He's not hit value in any other week. Um Last couple of weeks with Matt Moore, get it. Mahomes is coming back, get it. That's terrific mm-hmm. too. The salary extraordinarily low. Uh, it's sixty-seven hundred on Fanduel, sixty-four hundred on DraftKings. You know, to me, Kelsey is a is a GPP play at this at this point because I don't want to pay up a tight end and run the risk of him just getting me ten points at that salary. So you're obviously on the other side of this because you got him in the cash game rundown. Mm-hmm. Uh, sell him. Sell me on on Travis Kelsey. The the problem is it's the the positions getting thinner and thinner and like even um, if you're punting, we we just don't have pay down options that are reliable. So outside of like the top three guys, especially with Ingram out now, like yeah, you might only get ten or twelve out of out of Kelsey at sixty seven, but everybody else's floor outside of um, I don't know like like a Mark Andrews or Austin Hooper, and even Mark Andrews now after what we saw last week have floors of of zero. Uh, so we don't even like have more than three tight ends with floors above zero right now. Uh, Mahomes coming back, that's obviously a huge boost for Kelsey. If we look at DraftKings, this is the lowest salary of the season that we've seen uh, on that site. So that's obviously a good thing. You could get a high usage tight end at a depressed salary. And the matchup is good. Tennessee ranks 23rd uh, in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Kelsey getting the targets, getting the red zone work, top five in, in red zone targets near the top of the league in, in yardage um, and targets at his position. Still underperforming in the red zone as we discussed last week. So those are just numbers that they're, they're going to get right. And this is a good spot to do it against this Tennessee defense. All right, so last week, here's the rundown from – this is half-point PPR. Mm-hmm. Zach Ertz led the way finally, you know, getting at the top of the board. He's had five weeks this season where he's been a tight end one, which is just not worth it. Noah Fant. Big play, good for him. He was number two. Jacob Hollister, number three in that shootout with mm-hmm. Seattle. Kittle made it at number four, and then Mike Gesicki was five. Yep. 
which I didn't really hate the play last week, too, because, you know, Fitzpatrick has been looking his way. Here's the week before that, though. Week eight, Ryan Griffin, Darren Fells, Jonu Smith, Austin Hooper, Travis Kelsey. I mean, every week in the top five, you're getting three guys that nobody knows about. I mean, we do because we dig in, but give me a break, man. It's it's like, why am I paying up a tight end at this point? Yeah, I mean, the caveat to that is like, are you – are you going to guess where the touchdown's coming from? Because that's really with with so few tight ends being used, that's the that's the uh, rub right there. Is like it's it's so touchdown dependent. There's only like I said, there's only three or four guys getting any kind of volume. So if if one guy scores a touchdown, it's it's pretty easy to break the top five. So um, I mean, it's it's a couple different ways to look at it. Um, like I said, it's in in cash where we're looking for that floor. Like you're basically just guessing where that touchdown's coming from. That's that's a tough thing to do. It is, but at, at this point, I'm almost looking at it like, boom, I'm just, this mm-hmm. is the position I'm going to punt this week. And sure. hopefully that punt turns into one of the top five guys because sure. that's where we've been so far. Yeah. Uh, and I did a- it with John or two weeks ago. It worked. Yeah. I mean, I, I played him in cash and it worked. Um, so, I mean, it, for sure, um, it's just the, the options are getting fewer and fewer. Mm-hmm. Greg Olson, then 5,100 yep. FanDuel, 3,600 DK. He's visiting Green Bay. Yeah, and actually, I, I happened to mention John, who actually like John, who is a punt um, here. Greg Olson, same price on on Fanduel. I th- believe Greg Olson is is cheaper on DraftKings. I don't have John, who's price in front of me. Um, but I mean, basically, this is the the closest thing we're getting to a punt uh, at, at this point. With uh, Evan Ingram likely out, Olson is. There's only five tight ends on the main slate, averaging over five and a half targets per game. Um, Olsen's one of those guys, but he's gonna he's way cheaper than the other three. Andrews Hooper, and we already talked about Kelsey. The other one is is Gerald Everett, and I, I think we probably trust Olsen a little bit more than ever Everett. Uh, Green Bay twenty fifth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end. Again, you're kind of just hoping for a a touchdown. Sure, Olsen is averaging five and a half targets per game, but we've seen him with two targets, three targets in the last few weeks. He had five last week. So his his floor, like I mentioned, talking about Kelsey, he's one of those guys with a true zero floor um but if you are going to pay down i think he or john are the are the spots you want to go to yeah john is 5-1 on fanduel 3-5 on DraftKings. okay so and actually gasicki's more ex- expensive than him on uh, fanduel at 5-3 mm-hmm. but he's also 3-1 on um on DraftKings. DraftKings. so if you're gonna punt I, that's probably as far down as i would go sure sure right i mean we're not looking at any of these other clowns nick boyle yeah, I don't. I don't see a spot um, that I'm uh, other than those guys that I'm looking to pay down. I know O.J. Howard's probably going to catch some steam because he's facing Arizona by the time the week comes. But I mean, how how do you like O.J. Howard matchup doesn't matter. His floor is zero targets every week. Yeah, he stinks. Doyle's getting a little more more work with Hoyer in there, mm-hmm. and he's a three hundred dollar discount on DraftKings from Ebron. So just throwing out some other names because tight ends a it's a it's a garbage. It's, it's ugly. Yep. Uh, defense. Let's get to the Colts, forty nine hundred. Drafandle, thirty five hundred. DraftKings taking on the Dolphins. Why not? Yeah, we're back. Uh, they faced the Dolphins. Have faced a couple uh, atrocious teams in the past uh, couple of the past few weeks. So it hasn't been like the auto click like a, a Jets or whatever versus Miami. But uh, I think we're back to the auto click against Miami with your defense. The Colts are favored by 10 and a half at home. Uh, same thing we've been saying about Miami all year. They can't 
protect the passer. Bottom three in football outsiders, adjusted sack rate allowed. Ryan Fitzpatrick, bottom three in intercepts rate among quarterbacks on the main slate. Um, Colts are, are a decent enough defense where they should be able to take advantage, get up big, and uh, and get after Fitzpatrick. All right, then the other play for you would be Cleveland um, taking on Buffalo at home. Mm-hmm. You know what's fascinating, too, is that the Browns are actually favorites in this game. It's crazy. Yeah, you're getting two and a half, three points. And normally I look at it and I say, oh, the Sharps know something more than we know. But then again, they had the Jaguars against the Texans last week. So, (laughs) Um, yeah, have at it, buddy. Have your Browns. I'd rather play the friggin' Titans than the Browns at this point. They're a disaster. But I absolutely understand why you threw them on this list at 3,500 FanDuel, 2,500 DK. Yeah, on DraftKings, especially where that, that uh, price floor is completely gone, um, I think the Titans are, are, is that why you're bringing it up? I think they're 18 or something like that. Um, that that makes sense. Let me make sure I have the right price. There. I mean, I'm not going to play them. Yeah. I'm just saying that's... Yeah, Titans at two. Titans at two. Um, Falcons at 1,500. Bengals <laughs> at 1,700. Like, that's just kind of the theory we, we went back to a few weeks ago with paying the absolute minimum uh, for for defense to pay up for some of the studs, uh, which, which isn't horrible. But Browns, I just pick them because they're still pretty close to floor pricing uh, and they're the cheapest favorite on both sides. So they're, they're really close to that floor, um, but they're favorite at home. Uh, Buffalo, the, I mean, the thing that really drives fantasy scoring for your fantasy defense is the ability to get after um, the passer. Buffalo's bottom six in adjusted sack rate allowed. Cleveland top five in adjusted sack rate on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, you're, you're just playing a home favorite that hopefully can get after Josh Allen, get a few sacks, give you a floor, and let you get to that um, McCaffrey-Michael Thomas lineup if you want it. Now, I got my ass kicked last week. Uh, I will say this, though. My my call was the Steelers' defense. Mm-hmm. Nobody had them against Indianapolis. Boom. And they paid off. And I think they're 2,900 2, on FanDuel. If you, they're double-digit scoring every week since week three. Um, they, last week, they scored again. They scored two out of three weeks. You can't predict that. But they have a floor because they pick up tons of sacks. Yep. I mean, eight, five, one, four, five. They've had an interception at least every uh, every week since week three. They've had at least one interception, and in four of those weeks, they've had multiple interceptions. So, I think if you're if you really want to, and this is not getting cute to me. I mean, at two point six on DraftKings, the Steelers are a play that I keep going back to, and it just doesn't seem like anybody's on them, and they have not realized that this is a team, even though they're going up against the Rams. They force turnovers. They get sacks. You want sacks. That at least gives you a floor, yep. and they give that to you. Yeah, the Rams have had protection issues too. So, I mean, that's uh, that's that's not a bad call at all. Um, I mean, obviously, the the turnover and the, the what is it, like a 90-yard pick six is going to help you there. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, it's created by those pressures, and, and Rams have given them up as, as much as anyone in the league this yeah. year. Five sacks, an interception, and a fumble recovery, too. Outside of the touchdown, they still would have had 11 points yeah. on draft games. I think so. they were in the winning millionaire lineup. Don't quote me on that. I can't remember. Wouldn't but I'm shock pretty sure me. they were. Yeah, yeah wouldn't sh- nobody's on them. And I bet you we'll have projected ownership for them under 3%. Sure. I think, Maybe it's, even 1%. I think, it's, at, uh, I think it's at 5 right now. Really? You got them at 5? I think so. Okay. I don't well. have it in front of me. All right, don't listen to what I just said. Uh, Sharp Angle Sports is the exclusive home for NFL selections from James Salinas, the most successful super contest winner of all time. 
Salinas won the Westgate Super Contest in 2015. Then he finished third the next year, and he finished 26th in 2018. And 26 is, pre- is pretty damn good. And over the last four years, he's picked 85 games a year, 63.3% against the spread. Normally, somebody says that, you're like, this guy's a joke. But it actually happened. Salinas is that good. Only one place to get his picks against the spread and the over-under selections every week. Go to sharpanglesports.com. Visit the site today. We're also presented by our friends at Fantasy Draft, the only rake-free daily fantasy site in the business. We got a three hundred thousand dollar guaranteed rake-free contest, the Hooters main event, largest and only rake-free contest running anywhere for Week Nine. No management fee. Sign up fantasydraft.com today. Promo code four for four. You get a free seven-day trial and your first thousand dollars of rake-free entry fees. Fantasydraft.com. Promo code four for four. Start playing on Fantasy Draft today. Your bankroll is going to love it. So, speaking of bankroll, strategy, adjustments. What are we doing here? We're mid-season. Actually, in the DFS world, you know, in the regular season, we're in the DFS world. We got playoffs, at least. But for the yeah. regular season, we are at the halfway point, a little bit past the halfway point. And I guess you got to look at where you are with your bankroll. Luckily for me, I am uh, way up on DraftKings and a little bit down on FanDuel. So I'm still in, in the green territory, in the red, nice. in the red, right? Well, the black. I'm in the black, the black still. That's good. We don't want to be in the red, nope. but it can, it can change very easily, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, boom, one week, and you're screwed. So tell me about bankroll procedures, game selection. How are we adjusting now at this time of the year? Yeah, so the reason I, I wanted to do bankroll uh, this late in the season for a couple reasons uh, I've, I've been getting uh, quite a few more questions than usual this time of year of like how many lineups you should play, um, what, what games you should be playing, uh, just, just kind of random questions here and there. Uh, I, I think maybe this is the time of year uh, right around uh, end of October is, is sometimes when we see a, a small spike in DFS users. And, and my theory is that it probably has something to do with uh, people's like redraft seasons being all but done and then looking to get some action. Um, and also I was looking at our theory and bankroll and, and, and game selection and whatnot is obviously very important. We've touched on it, but we haven't done a, a, a full bankroll or game selection theory since week one of the preseason of last year, um, our first podcast together. So um, anybody that is is kind of new to the podcast or new to DFS in general, they don't have this foundation that we've had yet. So if you're a seasoned listener, uh, some of this early stuff uh, you've probably heard me talk about uh, quite a few times, but the new stuff. I've adjusted my bankroll strategy in the last couple of weeks, and I think if you aren't revisiting your bankroll and your bankroll strategy and your win rates, then you're definitely costing yourself money. And I, I don't know that I've got deep into some of the tweaks that you can make on bankroll, so hopefully that part will be new um, for some of the listeners. So let's get into this here. Right. Uh, you got the 80-20-10 split, yeah. right? With goals, yep. you split them e- evenly between sites. I have not done that. Mm-hmm. Um, everything just changes. You know what? I, let me just ask you this. This is just a guy that plays DFS bound, yeah. bouncing this off of you. So when I play, let's say, 80% of what I would normally play, I win. Mm-hmm. And then when I go up to maybe 120% of what I play, I lose. Yes. So maybe I should just stay consistent. Yes. So the so I want to start just kind of at the the ground level of um, what 
of the the question I get the most as it pertains to bankroll, just basically like what game should I be playing? And um, I'll get to your your consistency uh, question kind of after I, I mm -hmm. lay a couple ground rules here. So the kind of the generic advice for people that are are trying to uh, learn to be a profitable long term player. Uh, that aren't just throwing their money at GPPs that like really want a sustainable win rate is a 80, 20, 10 split. And what that means is 80% of your weekly money in play in cash games, 20% of your weekly money in play in GPPs with no more than 10% of your total bankroll in play. Now that's going to vary um, a little bit based on, on your goals. And the goals are things such as um, risk tolerance, um, how much money you can you can afford to lose, what kind of variance you want to take on, and and really just if if you're trying to be a profitable player, if you're trying to hit it big, um, or if you're trying to grind out like all the sports. So if you're if you're somebody that's just playing say um, like ten dollars a week and and you are playing all GPPs, you can find a bankroll strategy that is going to be uh, the most profitable, the most long term, but playing that way is, is going to be a very high um, risk of, of ruin. So this is basically somebody that say like starts with $100, doesn't want to redeposit, but wants to kind of learn to grind. Uh, that's going to be my, my advice, that 80-20-10 split. And assuming you're playing on um, multiple sites, just splitting that evenly money between sites, assuming that you're playing the equal number of cash games and GPPs. Um, the the exception, of course, is if you find a site with lower rake, you're, you're going to want to play more money there. Um, but let's just assume that everything's even across the board. And the reason I would say split your money evenly across sites is because if you haven't played before or you're very new, then you, you don't really know which one you're better at, which uh, lineup builds suits your skills better, which scoring system uh, fits your eye better. All those things are going to come into play with your win rate. And then once you have an idea of uh, where you're profitable, you can, you can start to adjust that a little bit. But to answer your question about consistency, the, the most important thing to do uh, before you have any type of sample size and really in forever is to stick to your percentage of money in play. Once you decide how much you want to play each week, sticking to that percentage of money in play, not sticking to the dollar amount that you have in play. And that that's really important because uh, say you're starting fresh with $100. The first week you lose $20, you're down to $80. Now you play $20 in that second week. Now you're playing 25% of your bankroll. That twenty dollars out of eight dollars, twenty five percent of your bankroll um, instead of twenty percent. So you can see how if you go down that route very quickly, you can be out of money really quick. Um, if you stick to a percentage, you're playing twenty percent. If you're down to eighty dollars, now you're down to sixteen dollars of your bankroll instead of twenty. Um, but the flip side is true as well. If you if you start with a hundred dollars. You win $20, but you play $20 again. Let's say you're just playing 50-50s or something like that. You double your money, but you only won $20. If you would have played 20% of your new $120 bankroll and doubled your money, you could have won $24. So you cost yourself uh, $4 in return. And that's obviously just like compounding interest. Not playing those percentages are going to cost you uh compounding ROI, or you might cost yourself uh, a chance to move up in stakes. If you're, if you 
bank, new bankrolls 124 dollars and you can you can play maybe like a slightly higher stake gpp even if it's one more dollar uh that could be a, a smaller field and that might be the difference between winning fifty dollars in a tournament and a thousand dollars in a tournament so playing these percentages instead of the um the absolute dollar amount is very important yeah and then it goes back to game selection too and mm -hmm. you're talking about gpps i mean yep. You know, at some point in time, um, you might get lucky and hit on a big mm -hmm. one, but it's just bad. It's bad bankroll strategy. For sure. This is how guys um, are no longer listening to the podcast because they <laughs> blew their load in the yeah. first four weeks of the season. They hit once for a decent amount, and then they spent it all and they lost it. You So, you, I mean, the reason we're splitting our money up this way, 80% cash games, 20% um, GPPs, all you have to do is is think about the likelihood of winning. Like, sure, you could increase your money exponentially by hitting big on these GPPs, but you usually need to be uh, in the top ten, if not the the top overall spot, to have a a dollar amount that's really going to be able to change the way you uh, approach how you buy into games, which games you select. So the reason that gap is so big, the eighty twenty split, assuming just something like a head to head or a fifty fifty with just pure luck you're winning 50 percent of the time and the average gpp it's only paying 20 percent of the field so if you just aren't are a player that's never played before if you randomly throw a lineup in you're going to lose money 80 percent of the time hmm. so if you're if you're putting if you're putting all of your money into a game you're losing 80 percent of the time that's obviously a very bad approach to being a long-term sustainable winner so my advice to people um i already talked about the mix but like what gpp should you play i think you need to ignore that big dollar amount uh in the lobby don't just look at the featured contest my advice is look for the highest buy-in possible with the lowest field possible with the number you're able to max enter at so for example if say you have ten dollars to play in gpps instead of playing ten one dollar one dollar lineups in some kind of tournament that has like a hundred thousand dollars to first but you have to beat out five hundred thousand people look for a ten dollar single entry tournament that might only have a thousand people in it like you still have to beat a thousand people but now you're on an even playing field because everybody in that field can only put one lineup in uh and then when you do hit uh you're, you're gonna hit more consistently and you're not going to be against these massive fields um and you can really still spike your your um your bankroll like sure you're not gonna win a hundred thousand dollars but you only have to beat maybe a thousand people to win fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars um that, that's that's very important um or maybe you can look for like some three max contests at the three dollar buy-in level if you if you still want a little bit more upside but uh look for the highest buy-in possible the lowest field possible and be able try to be able to max into the contest if you can so single entry three max even 20 max if you're playing uh smaller stakes um large field contests tell me if i'm jumping too far ahead here uh the adjustments you can make after having a decent sample did i go too far down that's just something that i'm really interested in talking about but yeah let me let me give people kind of a um a basis for cash games that, that okay. haven't listened before and then the the new stuff we could talk about the adjustments a little bit because i think uh this is very important the gpps you could kind of uh, intuitively understand why you want to play against smaller fields, but cash games are 
if, if you're new, they're they're gonna look pretty similar, and I think you can get lost in the nuance of which ones you should play and how they differentiate. So the two biggest questions is like, what cash game should I play? Is should I be playing head to heads or should I be playing double ups of 50-50s? And then how many lineups should I be playing? So basically which one you should play comes down to how big your bankroll is and how many games you should play. Um, and the the change in how you profit from those games is going to be based on where the variance in those games comes from. So it if you can play up to 30 games at a single buy-in level, my suggestion is to play one lineup in 30 of those head-to-heads. 30 is kind of the uh, statistical number where any random sample is going to start to um, approach a normal distribution, and that's important because we want our lineup in head-to-heads to reflect the actual uh, skill of that lineup. So if it's truly a 60% win rate lineup, we want to be able to beat about 60% of our opponents. And the the 30 mark is kind of where that number is going to start to normalize. Whereas if you uh, have a 60% uh, lineup over the long term, if you're only playing two head-to-head games, it's very easy to run into two uh, lineups that are in the 65th or higher percentile. So I, I think that's hopefully a a somewhat easy way to uh, explain that. And then just because you can move up in, in buy-in levels at the head-to-head level, say you can afford um, $41 head-to-heads, that doesn't mean you should just play 30 and then move up in, in stakes. You want to be able to play at least 30 at every single buy-in level and play an equal number of head-to-heads at each buy-in level. And just an extreme example of why that is, let's say you have that $40 in play in cash games and and you can play your 30 head-to-heads at the $1 level, but then you decide to play two at the $5 level. If you have an 80% win rate um, on a certain lineup, you're going to profit $13.20, assuming a 10% rake, on your $30 and play at the $1 head-to-heads. But even though you have an 80% win rate on that lineup over the long run, it, you can still very easily run into two better lineups in your two $5 head-to-heads. Now you lost that $5 times two. You lost $10. So now you're only profiting $3.20, even though you crushed your $1 uh, head-to-head games. If you just play $40 uh, of $1 head-to-heads, you're going to profit $17 dollars and 60 cents assuming an 80 percent win rate so basically that's a long way of saying don't move up in stakes at head-to-heads until you can afford to play 30 at each buy level <clears throat> now Again, yeah i don't even play head-to-heads just sure, so everybody sure. knows don't do it just feel like there's a better <laughs> shot for me uh, yeah. playing 50-50s and yep. then some double-ups. Yeah, and again, that like the, the head-to-head thing, it's the the reason that it is good for a high-volume player is because you're diversifying your... Um, you're getting your variance and diversifying through your opponents. If you're not playing that many games, if you say, say you only have like $20, $40 in play, um, maybe playing double-ups or 50-50s is better and actually prefer 50-50s uh, because they you you need a lower win, ra- win rate. You only truly have to beat 50% of the field and the rake is smaller on those. Um, but 
regardless of which ones you play, you want to be looking for single entry 50-50s or single entry double ups. You can go back to uh, to the preseason podcast with Pat James and get a very detailed breakdown of why those single entries are more profitable. But basically, you're getting, a, a again, like a true reflection of how your lineup stacks up against uh, all the other lineups in the field instead of like facing a bunch of guys that have 150 of the same lineup uh, in in one field, but in this situation, if you're looking, if you are looking to minimize variance, um, you want to diversify through lineups, not diversify through opponents. So whereas in head-to-heads, you only want to play one lineup against all of your opponents. Uh, in 50-50s or double-ups, if you only play one lineup, that could actually be higher variance because if that lineup is below the cash line, you're going to lose all of your money uh, in that week in cash games. So instead of like one lineup in a $10 50-50 or double-up, I would play uh, one separate lineup in 10 different uh, $1 50-50s or double-ups or maybe five lineups in uh two dollar 50 50s or double ups because when you're diversifying through your lineups you're going to have some lineups that are below the 50 percent cut line some over the 60 50 percent cut line but you're going to have different lineups that you're only slightly varying between like the like studs that you're picking um, that you're really close on that are the same price between quarterbacks that you're really close on that are the same price or like similarly priced um, uh, value plays by playing slightly different lineups in a bunch of different 50 50s you're going to lower your variance you're not going to have those weeks where you just lose all of your money on one lineup Mm. let me just tell you about an adjustment i made this season Mm -hmm. this season's adjustment was I was doing a lot better on DraftKings, so now yep. I play cash on DraftKings. Yeah. I've never played cash on DraftKings. Yeah. Never any sport. Well, guess what? I was having some success with it early in the season when I was screwing around, and the bankroll grew, and now I'm I'm playing <laughs> cash on DraftKings mm-hmm. and GPPs on FanDuel. Yep. It's okay to completely switch things up if you feel like it's giving you an edge. Yeah, so the um, yeah, so let's get into. I don't think we've got too deep into it on this podcast before, but uh, so many people don't have a, a big sample size that often they they can't take this advice. But uh, we we've DFS has been popular for long enough now that I think there should be a, a fair number of people even. Uh, like relatively new players that have played enough over the last two years where we can kind of equally compare um, our win rates on sites. And one thing that happened is last year, FanDuel added the flex position. So uh, your your analysis has gotten a little more apples to apples between something like FanDuel and DraftKings. And uh, I mean, the just from what you say, say in general, like FanDuel scoring alone, if you if you'd never played a game on either site before, because FanDuel isn't PPR, because there aren't any bonuses, because it weights touchdowns in big games more, it's just theoretically should be a higher variance scoring system and scoring site. So in theory, it makes more sense to play more cash games on DraftKings than FanDuel. And one way to adjust is to pull your records. You can pull your history on both FanDuel and DraftKings. And anybody that's playing seriously should be doing this, tracking their win rates. The easiest way to do that is going to be in, um, in 50-50s um, or head-to-heads. It's, it's going to be harder to do in GPPs. But once you know where you have a higher win rate, 
you should be playing more money, if not all money, on the site that you're better on. So like last season, like I mentioned, FanDuel added a flex. A couple weeks ago, I had when I got to the to the 20 week mark, so all 17 weeks of last year and then three weeks of uh, this season, I ran my win rates over uh, FanDuel and DraftKings and I found out that I was winning 7% more hmm. on DraftKings, uh, 7% higher win rate on DraftKings and FanDuel. Still uh, profitable on both, but 7% is a huge number when you consider how thin the edge in head-to-heads are. So then I split my cash gain, 65 uh, DraftKings, 35 FanDuel, and um, it's it's been more profitable since then. And some people might ask, well, if you're winning more on on one site, why not go all in on that? Because the th- one thing that I do that is very important is I take all of my cash game lineups or my single cash game lineup on each site and put it into a relatively large single entry tournament. And even though I am more profitable on one site, I'm still profitable on both sites. And by not playing, um, both sites with that single entry, I could potentially be costing myself like a season changing upside because I'm putting my lineup in a relatively big um, single entry tournament on both sites with my cash game. So even though I'm playing half of the volume I'm playing on say FanDuel, if my have a boom week there and it's the week where that single entry um, lineup cash game lineup hits for $15,000, all of a sudden that's, that's a huge um, swing to, to the bankroll. So uh, I, I think if you are profitable on both sites, it's it's a good idea to continue to play on both sites. Now you might want to weight it a little bit more than even like 65-35, but uh, I, I definitely think it's worth, um, worth playing both. Make sure you throw that uh, cash game lineup in a single mm-hmm. entry tournament. Do it. Do it. Yeah, man. Got to do it. Um, what else we got here? You tell me. I was just... I was so hung up on, you know, changing sites, switching sites mm-hmm. back and forth that I'm not following the page very well today. My apologies. <laughs> no, it's all good. I mean, so again, we, we talked about switching sites because of um, how much you're winning on one site and that some sites are just naturally going to have more variance because of, of their roster or because of the scoring situation. One thing you could do is you can fight variance with variance and, and something that I've done specifically this year is I've shifted, and and this also has to do with just people being uh, more skilled at NFL DFS in general. Like, uh, it's very hard to get to a break-even 56% win rate in head-to-heads. There's not a lot of people that can hit that mark consistently. Um, And as more people become good, everyone's kind of going to converge to that that break-even point minus the rake. So one thing you can do instead of exclusively playing head-to-heads, assuming you're a head-to-head player, is adding some 50-50s double-ups or triple-ups to your mix. So I've switched from exclusively head-to-head to to like 80% of my money in head-to-head lineups uh, and then 20% of my cash games in 50-50s. And where this comes into play is those weeks where you're barely break-even or barely profiting in head-to-head. So an example, if you have $1,000 in play, and head-to-heads and you have a week where you win 50%, 56% of your head-to-heads, if all of that money is in head-to-heads, you're barely above break-even, you're going to profit $8 on that $1,000 in play. Hmm. Now, if you take that same lineup and 20% of your money in play is in um, 50-50s, 
then you're going to you're still only going to profit like six dollars on your eight hundred dollars in play in head to heads, but your two hundred dollars that's in play in fifty fifties, you just profited one hundred sixty dollars on those two hundred dollars. So now you've won one hundred seventy two dollars instead of eight dollars. Now there's obviously downside when you're under that fifty percent. Um, you're going to have a little bit more downside on the back end. But if you have a proven winning record, then over the course of a season, you should recognize that upside. Again, this I mean, bankroll. The toughest thing, obviously, is putting together a great lineup. Yeah, for sure. But I think the second thing is the bankroll. It's like yep. staying true to your bankroll. It's just, it's so easy to, I, I want to say my first year, I think I was just slightly over 500. Let's just say I was nine and eight, but I took a loss. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it's like you have to figure out how to spend your money wisely or you're screwed. You're just not going to profit. Yeah. And probably the most important thing for that is doing something like building yourself a bankroll tracker, signing up for um, some kind of software that tracks your bankroll. Because uh, I mean, I just have a spreadsheet that as I enter games, it tells me exactly what percentage of money I have in play and what percentage of money I have on each site and what type of game. And if you're not doing that, it's very easy to get carried away, get lost or just start button clicking. And then you don't even know how to track it at that point. So um, keeping track of these percentages is is very important. And then also just keeping track of of the sites where you're winning the most money. So another thing that I've done this year is um, I've expand, I've expanded my site selection. So uh, let's just use like Yahoo and fantasy draft as, as an example. You've been able to find like no rake or, or overlay on both of these sites, uh, especially in GPPs. So while I might have like an 80, 20 mix allocated cash games to GPPs, that doesn't mean just because I have all of my cash, uh, cash money, in play on Fandle and DraftKings that I'm just going to automatically put my GPP money there. It's fine to take your GPP money and put it on different site if that's a more profitable site. Like that's another bankroll adjustment you have to make. All right. What else you got here, buddy? Uh, just a quick tip. Uh, if you are someone that's looking to minimize variance and, uh, and, and continue your game selection, expand it and be better at it. One thing that I've, I've began to do um, a little bit last year, but pretty much every week this year and it works a little bit better because um i'm playing these like high stakes only building a a couple lineups a week but taking your tournament lineups where you're only cashing like 20 percent of the time and putting them in a smaller 50 50 so like say i play three max at a 150 dollar buy-in I might throw each of those lineups in a 50 or $100 50 50 because there's going to be lots of times where my lineups are in the top 50%, but they're not in the top 20%. Uh, and when that happens, I'm, I'm getting some of my losses back through those 50 fifties. I mean, it's something that you can get carried away with. Obviously you don't want to like get your bankroll way out of whack because you're throwing your, all of your tournament lineups in 50 fifties and double ups. Um, but if you do it, if you're disciplined and you have a bankroll tracker and you're staying within your bankroll means, it's definitely a, a nice way to uh, level out some of that variance from GPPs. All right, that's it. Bankroll, right? We're done? Yeah. We've done it. We've gotten through the week 10 DFS MVP show, so we'll be back for week 11, of course. And I highly recommend you get the DFS sub. And right now you can get 25% off by using the code DFSMVP. Remember, rate, review, T-shirt giveaway. If you leave a five-star review, you're automatically entered to win some terrific swag. 
And while you're out there, I'll just read this whole thing, TJ. I'm just, you know. Deal. You, you did a whole bunch here last 20 minutes, 25 minutes. <laughs> uh, check out 4 for 4's uh, newest pods. We got Ship Chasing, which is high stakes fantasy football, and then my podcast, Fantasy First. It uh, covers every detail of fantasy football news, and I think uh, this will have already dropped, but I did a little trade deadline special, so that's what we got. Follow me on Twitter at Holden Radio. Follow TJ on Twitter at TJ Hernandez and follow 444 Football at 444 Football on Twitter. TJ? Uh, you got it, man. Uh, thank you for everybody. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we're in the double digit weeks now, so uh, we'll talk to you guys next week, week 11. And it ain't even about the dough. It's about getting down for what you stand for, yo. For real. If we gonna rock, then we gonna fall. Then we let it pop, though. Let it go. Come on. X gon' give it to you. Uh. He gon' give it to you. X gon' give it to you. Uh. He gon' give it to you. Come on. First we gonna.